When you're a pro, you got to do a little bit of everything. A little. A little. And even a little. And it helps to have something that works as hard as you do. That's why Valspar has a paint for every job, every room, every time. Valspar. You make it happen, we make it possible. Pros, head to Lowe's today and talk to a pro rep about getting up to 10 free gallons of Valspar through our paint trial program. Exclusions apply. See ValsparPro.com for details. Ah, uh, welcome to Preach Kev Preaches. Uh, Pastor Kevin Kev here with another sermon, another episode. Here with my guy Rashad once again, man. How's it going? What what's good, yo? Glad to be on again, man. Yeah, we gonna we gonna turn right into it. Um, man, we got to see Duke, uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James uh, final final stand against each other. Um, the Lakers versus the Heat, which you know came down to the wire. Wade versus LeBron down three. Way through up a uh, brick, <laughs> but uh, but it was just still a great game to watch. And Lebr- uh, LeBron know all this move, man. They should have stopped working out together, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, for real though. But uh, that was I mean, it was a good game. You know, Wade only had like fifteen some points. Um, Kyle Kuzma went crazy. Uh, LeBron James did his thing, of course. Um, but you know, these two together, man. You know, they've been they've been playing basketball basically. I know our whole life. Uh, when that when the one of the best draft class of all time, two thousand three, and you know, kind of seeing it come to an end, uh, it's kind of you know, it's kind of kind of kind of um, you know, felt a little bit, especially you know, growing up and watching these guys from day one. Yeah, it's kind of bittersweet, man, because I know even though we're fans of like Kobe and AI, LeBron, D Wade. Melo, Chris Bosh, that 03 draft class, that's really, like, the one we really got to say, like, these are really, like, our guys. We weren't, like, kids when they came into the league. We were kind of becoming, like, teenagers, so we kind of were able to understand the game a little more and really see what they were contributing to the game. And that's through their friendship. That's through D-Way on his own winning championships. Then later on his own, you know, they teamed up and won two together, too. So we kind of got to see the evolution of those guys from – Teenagers, rookies, all the way until year sixteen, where we are present day. Yeah, it was kind of. I mean, once one, you know, the little press conference they had at the end of it, you know, it kind of felt like dang, like it's, like it's really over because you know, uh, you know, Chris Bosh is done. Uh, Melo hasn't been on the team since he got cut from the Rockets. Melo, Melo, Melo's done. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, he pretty much said that. Um, and then Dwayne Wade retiring in the, the season. It's only it's only like one one left, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of good, you know. It's kind of kind of sad to see them go out, especially how long they've been playing. Uh, what over what sixteen, seventeen years? Yeah, that's year sixteen, man. Yeah, um, it's it's crazy though, because like LeBron, he's still in peak form, but <laughs> but D Wade, he's you know six man, seventh man, and uh, Bosh, he had his heart problems, so you know that's kind of out of his control. But he's been out of league a couple seasons now, and. I really don't know how long Melo has been in decline because with the Knicks, was he really getting some empty stats those last couple of years? Right, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, was he still Melo? But we know for sure OKC Melo and Houston Melo, Hoodie Melo is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Man, 
He fooled us once. He won't get me no more. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> now, granted, he did go into some bad situations. You know, he wasn't – I don't think the chemistry was right for OKC. And then Houston, with losing all their defensive presence, I don't think that was a good fit for uh, for Melo either. But at the same time, you know, he he should have just kind of accepted what D-Wade did. I'm going to come off the bench. I'm going to get my 15, 16 a night, and I'm going to be good. Right, yeah. <laughs> And 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 there's really there's really praises on Dwayne Wade like because he's by himself even by himself you know he was always a class act even you know even you know how Kobe and Shaq kind of split because they didn't they both wanted to be the big man but Wade was able to you know he he's he's a good balancer like he able to know uh, when to you know when to when to turn the light switch on and off uh, as a superstar or just to be the star like and I I really praise D Wade for that because he's. He showed a lot of like unselfishness um, throughout his whole career. Uh, oh yeah, especially like in 2010, like D Wade was still in prime peak form. Like he had a few knickknack injuries here and there, but he was still in prime peak form, and he still joined up with Pat Riley and said, "Hey, let's let's recruit LeBron to come here. Let's recruit Chris Bosh to come here. Like let's let's try to keep winning. It's about winning. So let's let's try to make it happen." And they. Ultimately, did make it happen. When LeBron first got to Miami, you know LeBron averaged twenty seven, eight and seven. He was uh, he was widely known as the best player in the world. And Wade was bringing in twenty six, six and five. Like he's right there with them. They was you know they was total toe to toe, and they it's really kind of disappointing that they only got two rings you know out of the four years. Uh, but you know I mean like I said, Dwayne Wade was on the decline, kind of on the decline because of injuries and just you know the overall of. Like playing basketball, you know, sometimes father time does catch up to you. He's on the way down, but hey, they was they was neck and neck for for a good stretch of of like two thousand eight to two thousand eleven. Yeah, they came in the league in two thousand three. I think from probably two thousand six. That's Wade's first championship from two thousand six up until two thousand ten eleven when they joined up. LeBron was definitely one or two. Best player in the league. Well, I'm gonna still give Kobe his respect on that. So LeBron was definitely one or two during that stretch, and I think D Wade was probably five through seven, at least at least top seven during that time period. Because you still you still had Melo was there. Who, who else was around that time? Um, that was that was that was Melo. That was LeBron. That was Kobe. That was D Wade. Even. Chris Bosch in Toronto, he wasn't. He was probably still around the best power forward. Uh, well, one of the best power forwards. Yeah, Tim Duncan. Yeah, Tim, Tim Duncan. As long as Tim Duncan was there, he was probably a top seven player. Uh, Tony Parker. He was. He was really. Yeah. That was really at the same time. Tony Parker was coming into his own. Uh, Chris Paul. Yeah. Let's, let, let, I mean, we got to bring up the the infamous Darren Williams. He was considered <laughs> one of the elite point guards at that time too. So. Yeah. It's crazy, like this. This when they got together, though, LeBron away. You know, that's we was all, even though Chris Bosh as well. You know, that's the kind of super team action started happening where people got together to try to win. And I mean, it kind of, it kind of sparked, you know, the, that that idea around the league because most most quote unquote super teams back in the day they was all drafted together. Uh, you know, Magic Worthy, and then they, you know, they went and got Kareem or. The Celtics, they all oh, they got all them guys together, and you know, they made a couple. You know, you, you made minor trades. All of a sudden, boom! You didn't realize you was getting a superstar team, and like I guess with this, but this type of team, they was all from three different teams and pulled themselves together to you know to make one. And 
And now you know now you see a lot of t- people doing that now. You know, even like Sixers getting Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, Warriors getting Kevin Durant. You know, the list goes on. They started it, and they showed you how you know what kind of sacrifices you need to make. And I thought that was pretty good by those superstars at the time uh, to do that. And like I've never minded that those guys teamed up and joined forces because the NBA, all these leagues, they are. Once you're used up, they'll get rid of you. Example, Melo. Two teams. Granted, he he hasn't been at his peak, but when you're not cooking like you normally cook, the leagues will get rid of you. That's any league. So I'm not mad that those guys took the power into their own hands and said, hey, let's join up. LeBron had made one finals, got swept by the Spurs. D-Wade had made one, one with Shaq. Um, and Bosh, he was on kind of like the four, five, six seat Toronto team most of those years. So he w- he was only gonna go so far himself, and like LeBron, he needed the the help for his legacy. Like I'm supposed to be the next great player, I got to start getting some chips. Right. So he, yeah. He made he, he made a, that. He made a good decision. And all, and all and all panned out. You know, got two out of four. So it kind of leads into a like duo the duo conversation that a lot of people started having uh, sports shows and stuff about the top you know top five duos or top six duos. And trying to find out, you know, where would you put LeBron and D Wade as a, you know, as a top duo? Um, I know, I know for me, you know, my number one would be Shaq and Kobe. Uh, I know, I know you, me and you had we had a couple of debates about who's better, you know, who's better duo between Michael Jordan, Pippen, and Shaq and Kobe. They pretty much wanted two, you know, that's pretty much one and two, and then of course the three, cream and magic. I'm pretty sure that really should be everybody's list. Yeah, anybody who, has a, anybody who has a different top three than that, I'm not sure what their rationale would be. Because, yeah, I went Mike and Scotty won. They played nine full seasons together, six championships, six knowing the finals, numerous accolades, Mike MVP. They were multiple-time All-Stars, all-defensive team. They played on USA Basketball together. So just – their reign throughout the 90s, like, they dominated basically an entire decade except over in Mike Love. So, I think they're the greatest duo. And then I, I gave Magic and Kareem number two because they were the – even though Kareem did tear off towards the end, for that decade of the 80s, that's 10 years they played together, that's eight finals, won five titles. They both won some season MVPs. So I gave Magic and Kareem number two. And I only gave Shaq and Kobe number three because they didn't have a a sustained run. They had like a a spurt of like five years. So basically we'll just say from 99 to 04. That's still four finals in those five years, but Shaq only got one MVP. Kobe was a top five player in the league, but they didn't do what Mike and Scotty did of dominate the whole decade or like Magic and Kareem dominate the whole decade. Both the guys are winning MVP. So I knocked Shaq and Kobe down just slightly above, slightly below, sorry, Magic and Kareem just because they didn't run an entire decade. It was Dylan and Spurs and, you know, of course Shaq lived. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I can't imagine you putting that like that. But, you know, for me, Shaq and Kobe, the real, like there was too, there was too much of a, Tradition, like the two Batmans, they were two high-powered guys who had to get, who dominated. And if you see what they did in the playoffs, um, the reason why I think they're the best duo of all time is that when when it, when it when the playoffs matter, like you see Shaq and Kobe both averaging thirty points a game, and you know 
to me, Jordan and Pippen was more the traditional Batman Robin one. And then, you know, Magic and Kareem, they, of course, they were dominant too. Like, all, all, both, all these duos were dominant. Like, that's just, that's a given. But what Shaq and Kobe was able to do together, I think, as a, in, especially in playoffs, I think two, the 2001 Lakers team probably the best, probably one of the best teams because that's when Kobe got into his own. Jordan needed Pippen to hurry up and get here. Shaq needed Kobe to get the, to that superstar level. Um, and then, you know, Magic needed Kareem to come to L.A. Uh, to get, you know, to get them that duo right. I mean, those three, that, those three duos has to be your number three. That's just, that's just simple. I, I don't really hear no, you know, other, other duo really, especially like nowadays, people want to put the, the other guys above them. But we were going to a little deeper, I guess, about finding a way LeBron and Wade fit. I, I do have a little battle between, you know, I, I think they fit between that four and four to six range. That that Malone and Stockton success, even though they didn't get get any championships. I mean, I I know you made that that, that great analogy earlier, but th- those those two together, man, eighteen years togetherness and and what they made playoffs every man, single year. Yeah, they were they were eighteen seasons together, never missed the playoffs. Five conference finals, two of those were NBA finals, so they did advance to the finals twice. Ran into our number one duo, Mike and Scotty. Carl Malone won MVP during that run. Um, Stockton was multiple time assist leader. He's still the all time NBA assist leader. And that's because mostly he was passing to Carl Malone. And, and, and Carl Malone yeah. is top two or three in points because he was getting the assists from John Stockton. So uh, they, they made the pick and roll what the pick and roll is. Yeah, they, they I'll just say that they revolutionized the pick and roll in that time. So yeah, Bron and Wade would definitely be in consideration for four through six, four through seven. Malone and Stockton in their consideration for four through seven. I also put down Isaiah and Joe Dumars in the consideration for four through seven. They played together for about nine seasons, um, three finals appearances, two titles. That's a in that in that era when it was Lakers, Showtime Lakers. Bird, Mikael Celtics, Bad Boy Pistons, they were that bridge between those eras and the Mike and Scotty era. But Dumars and Isaiah, I think, deserve some consideration too. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, also, I also put, you know, the Avro and uh, Big Timmy right there too because uh, now they kind of cheated their way to success. You know, Dave Robinson got hurt uh, and then they only won 20 games. But this is the biggest turnaround in um, – NBA history when uh, they got Tim Duncan first overall pick, and Dave Robinson got together. They went from a twenty win team to like fifty eight wins or something like that the following season, they and did. then and then the next year they won the championship, and then you know after Kobe Shaq dominance three in a row, they they slid right end up in there and got another championship yeah, two thousand three uh, and yeah and the uh, Dave Robinson retired after that year too. So I yeah so for, for Dave Robinson what a way to go out especially as he was by himself the whole San Antonio his whole San Antonio career. Trying to help, you know, trying to put that franchise on his back, and once he got Tim Duncan, it was just like the the the, the gates opened up, and you got the, the the traditional that twin towers. At that point, this wasn't no finesse league where you can you know, up and down sh- running and shooting. So you got two guys like that who can work the basket. That you, you can't you can't stop it. Um, yeah, I think Duncan and Robinson kind of took what Ralph Sampson and Elijah one did and made it more hold, effective. Yeah, yeah, whole new level. Yeah. Because those guys, they, you know, they were good. But at that time, we knew Duncan was going to be 
great, and Robinson had already kind of cemented his legacy with some playoffs, the MVP, and things like that. But together, Duncan came out of the gate, and he was elite from day one. Oh yeah, see, like it was crazy back in the day. If you like, you know how you know how girls basketball is now, and then, you know you can tell like if you were if you're elite in high school and you're elite in college, you're gonna be elite in the pros. Yeah, that's 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 how it was back in the day. Is so you walked in, you was already you was getting what you got last year times two. It, it felt like like James Worthy walked in, dominant. Michael Jordan walked in, scoring thirty points a game. Tim Duncan, KG, the list goes on. And we we knew we knew about that. And I know a lot of people out there are going to say, well, you know, with John Stockton and Carl Malone, they never won a finals. Well, if you had to play Michael Jordan, you know, in the nineties, nobody won, you know. And then if you didn't if you didn't get that if you didn't get that 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 run where he was out, you know, when he didn't play baseball, if you didn't get that right then, that was it. That was those were just two opportunities, to, you know, to try to win a championship. But I, I can't knock I really can't knock them for losing to Michael Jordan. It's not like they yeah. got swept. Malone and Stockton's run, they were in the running with, I know you don't value them highly, but Seattle with Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, George Carl coaching that team, they were they were not an elite 90s team in the West, but they were amongst one of the, one of those top four to five because you had David with the Spurs, and you had Malone and Stockton in Utah. Charles Barkley went to Phoenix. He had them going pretty good. Elijah Warren had Houston, and they did go win two titles. So, and even even Portland with uh, Drexler, like there were teams in the mix in the West that, in some seasons, prevented Malone and Stockton from getting to the finals or getting past you know getting past the conference finals or just even getting out of the second round. So there were other teams in the West, and when they finally did get over their hump, you were they they weren't gonna beat. Mike in those those years, they had their chance. Hey, they went, because the they series six. were close. Yeah, the series they, were close. But. They went to six, and you know I still think Michael Jordan pushed Brian Russell, but hey, that's another debate for another time. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, yeah, and you can't you can't knock them for losing to Michael Jordan. And on top of that, you you see their records. Who's going to pass John Stockton in assists or steals? No, There's no no, no, no one. one. Those records are going to stand for a long time. Like I, no, I'll go on a limb and say those records will stand. Forever, that's a that, that's a, a long that's it's like a, a long limb, but I'll go on that limb and say they'll stand forever because nobody are, plays defense anymore, so nobody's going to get that amount of steals. And as far as assists, you have guys like in the LeBron mode now who want to make the pass to get the better shot, so it's going to be a hockey assist, so it won't be right a direct assist as like pick and roll, and this guy's dunking it, landing up. Hitting mid range shots every time, and then on top of that, like we already we've probably already seen two of the net two of the next best point guards to ever play the game, Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, and they're not close. No, and, and, <laughs> that, and, that's crazy. They're not even and Chris, close. And Chris Paul, even Chris Paul, he's not even close. Like he's like some some of them are like hat like they need like the double their assist to even be close to this guy, John Stockton, man. He he probably going he's going he's going to go on like one of the best point guards that play the game and he's going to be very underrated. I mean I don't know if you've seen those uh the documentaries of the '92 Olympic Dream Team. Everybody knew the rest of the players, but nobody knew John Stockton. Yeah, and yeah, if, yeah, yeah. He was walking around in regular clothes, just get overlooked. <laughs> he, he he had the best time out of everybody because he was just a regular civilian. He can enjoy the sights. Nobody's asking for his autograph and things like that. 
Yeah, so yeah, it, it's it's no reason, it's no no shock why Carl Malone is up there in points because you had the all-time leading assist as your you know your peer passer. And yeah, and Utah Utah really should if you if you look at like the the games, they probably should they they, should, they really should have won that game six. No, they they tried you know to stop to try to throw it into Malone and Jordan came over with a steal a, a hip side steal. So if Carl Malone has since Michael Jordan there. It would be an easy buck if Carmelo and Jazz would have won, win the game seven. Probably still would have lost, but it's not the point. You would have, you would have had to push Jordan to seven, which he never been in, in the game seven before. So yeah, knows? yeah. In the, in the finals, he never went to the game seven. So I mean, that was just Mike's time. Everybody knew that '98 was going to be the Bulls' last run together, and I think that was just that was just the forces of nature coming together for Michael to have that one last great moment. You get the steal, you go down court. Shake and bake, slight push on on Byron, nail the J, hold the pose, and you ended on a second three peat six for six. So I think that was just the forces of nature coming together to help Mike secure his legacy even more. Right, and then and with like with LeBron and Dwayne Wade, you know, if if to, to be honest, if they would have beat the the Dallas team, who, I mean, they should have yeah, beaten. They they, <laughs> they, they, they should have they should have beat, but, but like you said, the forces of nature. You got you got the Dallas team who out here just spanked the Lakers, swept them, who just won two championships in a row. Then then they play the young guns in OKC, who everybody thought uh, you know they're on they're on their way. Yeah, they were next. Yeah, and then they took out LeBron Wade. That that's probably the that's probably that might be the greatest run ever in a in a for a Finals team who they had to go through, you know, to 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 win a championship. And but yeah, do I blame? Do I blame LeBron away? If LeBron away had won that championship right there and won three out of four, I mean, we 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 pretty much putting them four no matter. I think I, I'm putting them four no matter what. Um, behind you know behind Kobe, Shaq, Jordan, uh, Pippen, and Cream Magic as a duo because you got three out of four years. You only been together four years and you got three championships and lost one. That I mean that's I mean that's that's that's, that's hard to do, especially you know try to four peat that was never been done. Yeah, so. You know, yeah. well, outside of Boston in the sixties, don't don't count. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so yes, yeah, so we we could be talking about them as in a different light if they won that Dallas Mavericks series. Yeah, I think speaking of forces of nature, I think it kind of had to happen that way. They had to lose that series because LeBron and Wade have talked about that was what changed the dynamic of those Heat teams. Like, Bron, you have to be the guy. You have to be the leader. I'll step back. And from that point on, they they took off to the races winning championships. So, you know, I think that kind of – that math run for that year had to happen. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that, yeah, because it, it really it really showed that LeBron James, he had to not only walk uh, walk the walk as far as the best player, he had to talk it because he didn't, he didn't really talk it. He, he, he had the numbers and stats. He had the stats he, and everything, but he, but he didn't have the – that that confidence that they're winning that, to back it up, yeah. Yeah, that, that Jordan and Kobe mentality of you know I'm the best and there's nothing you can do about it. But once you got that, that was a wrap. Yeah, they went on and I mean, but then again, you also say, what if Ray Allen never made that shot? You know, then then how then how would we see them as a you know as a duo winning winning one out of four years? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and reveal mine. I did put LeBron away at four, and the reason being was because. In their four years together, that was four straight finals. LeBron won some MVPs in there. These guys were all NBA. They were all stars. And then they won back-to-back titles 
not too many teams to win back-to-back titles. Um, and we kind of just talked about both sides of that coin. They should have beaten the Mavs, who weren't as talented as them. And maybe they should have lost against the Spurs because, you know, LeBron missed the free throws and they kind of got bailed out by that Ray Allen shot, which I, it still hurts my heart to this day because I love the Spurs. <laughs> but, you know, I think I think in a weird way, that's just kind of – it all balanced out. They should have beat the Mavs, and we can say they probably should have lost to the Spurs, which they did lose to the Spurs the following season. So I still put them at four. I mean, they four years together, two titles, a total record of 224 wins and 88 losses. That's – that's pretty much unmatched in four years. That makes a lot of sense. I think I I got them at five. I, I put the Spurs, Tim Duncan, and Dave Robinson over them only because of that era and how like it's more of a, it's more of a um, it's more of a challenge to have to beat Kobe and Shaq. If if, if we're talking about duos, you know that's another duo that's, that's in our list. I feel like they because they had to beat them or play them on a year out year basis. That's that's always why I I, I had them over LeBron. And, LeBron and Wade, but I got LeBron and Wade at five. That record and how they how they played together, you know, that iconic photo, Wade throwing the alley to LeBron, that's gonna sit with us for the rest of our you know our lives and and past past on behind that. Yeah, Wade and LeBron, man, they just it's like we kind of, we kind of take it for granted because you know I you know I thought they would last a little longer than four years. Um, to be honest, I mean, but I mean, I guess LeBron LeBron seen you know year year four is when LeBron, uh, Wade started breaking down a little bit. He did, injuries, yeah. so. I can see why LeBron had to go on. If if Wade if Wade needs to held up and you know Chris Bosh didn't get this uh, this condition, hey, who know who knows how they had them Heat teams would have gone you know year five, year six, year seven, you know b- big talks of them winning more than more than just two, um, but they got two. So and a lot of people don't got one. So yeah, like I'm gonna give a a few more reasons why I put LeBron and Wade at at, at four. And then I'll tell you who I got number five. I put LeBron away at four because, like I said, they have a 224 wins, 88 loss record, four years, and two titles. Now, let's put that into perspective. Kobe and Pagasol played together for seven years. They compiled in seven years 262 wins. LeBron and Wade have 224 in four years and still won two titles. <laughs> yeah. So and then I'll give another duo, um, Dr. J and Moses. They won the 1983 NBA title. They played together for four years, of course, one title. Their record in those same four years, same amount of games, 229 wins and 99 losses. So I looked at that and I was like, I gotta give LeBron and Wade the nod at number four. Just to put that into like a perspective, and like Shaq and, and Dwayne Wade played together for three seasons, they lost ninety one games in three seasons. Bron and Wade only lost eighty eight in four. <laughs> Shaq and Penny three seasons, they lost seventy nine games in three seasons. LeBron and Wade only lost eighty eight in four. So I looked at that and I said, man, these guys four years. I mean, they came together. They had that historic winning streak. One of those years, that winning streak. Four straight finals, which is really hard to do. Granted, the East was weaker during that time, but still, four straight finals, two two chips. I gave them four, and uh, we mentioned number five already for me, Malone and Stockton. Those eighteen years, never missing the playoffs, and all the accolades they compiled. 
even though they didn't win a championship, just the longevity of success, you have to give them a nod at five. And that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, you know, I told you earlier, I wanted to put them in my top five so bad. But I was like, well, if I if I put Tim Duncan and 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 Dave Robinson or LeBron and Wade uh, at four, it's like, am I am I really going to put? You know, am I, am I really saying one is better than the other as far as because they because well one one they both got two titles. So I was like, well, let me just go ahead and put uh, Stockton and Malone on the on the you know, glass looking in. But I got them at six, so I mean, that's not too far off. And yeah, if they if I told you my my real reason why I'm not, I don't have my top five is because what they did in 1999 after Jordan retired, even though they, <laughs> even, even though they were 35 and 36 years old and they was old guys, they lost to the Blazers. And for those who don't know who was on that Blazers team, Jail Jermaine, Blazers. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they was a they was rowdy bunch of bunch of black guys who, you know, the whole team was yeah like seven guys averaged like basically like ten points a game. Uh, well, you know, which is pretty good because you know you, you don't know who's gonna you know who's gonna beat you that night. Um, but Jermaine O'Neal was a little baby. He he like 19 years old. Rasheed Wallace wasn't even a good like he wasn't a great player yet. Their best player as far as scoring wise was Damian Stoudemire, like and Brian Grant, who at that time Brian Grant been in the league for a good minute. You know he well never not that long, but he been he been around and. Stockton and Stockton and Malone, they couldn't even they, they couldn't even beat them in a series. And that, that just, <laughs> and I just I, I just had to, I had to knock them down just demotion. <laughs> I knock them down just a little bit for that because I just don't understand how how did you lose? See, it's different if you lose to Shaq and Kobe in that in that night now, or even Tim Duncan and Robinson who won the championship that year. But you you lost you lost in the second round to <laughs> these Blazers. Uh, I, I just I just couldn't I, I just couldn't get past just couldn't get past that. Yeah, I know I know you put Duncan and Robinson. Uh, you put on White Height, and I put Duncan and Robinson. Um, the only reason I knocked down Duncan and Robinson is because it was only six years, and really outside of those first three to three to four, Robinson was kind of already tailing off. So I mean, that's why he retired after oh three. He was on the Decline really, so it was more of they were big, so they were they were twin towers, which nobody else had to really combat that. Right, yeah, and then, yeah, that's that's really why I had him because that, that during the era, like you just you just couldn't stop it, regardless of even even Dave Robinson wasn't at his you know prime prime anymore. He still he's you know he's, he's still somebody the 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 battle with and bang with while another guy on the other side doing the same thing, and you can't stop either one. You know, so that's that's the only reason why. Because even after his injury, he can't. He was at his injury. He probably was like on the way down after that. He probably couldn't really recover. As couldn't get back to that prime prime status. Um, but I think I think just Tim Duncan greatness. Um, even it probably it probably could have made him you know a real Batman Robin duo um, instead of you know two elite guys at the top. Um, of for, for me for that one. So um, with Dave Robinson and Tim Duncan and Tim, who you had at number six again. Uh, six was uh, Malone and Stockton. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to kind of make my own number five, Malone and Stockton, look bad because at six, I put Tim Duncan and Tony Parker. That looks bad on the surface because you think Duncan and Parker actually won championships together. They basically had the same success as Malone and Stockton. But my reason behind it, and I'll just give out a few accolades, Duncan and Parker, 15 seasons together, just like Malone and Stockton, they missed the playoffs. They made five finals together, won four titles. Duncan was, of course, MVP 
um, during two seasons. Tony Parker won the finals MVP in the 2007 year when they defeated the Cavs in a clean sweep. But the, the numbers as far as playoffs, seasons together, all that kind of stuff is similar to Malone and Stockton. And they won more, definitely way more, than Malone and Stockton. So the question somebody would probably ask is, why do you have these guys at six instead of five over guys who don't have any titles? And the reason is because I feel like the Spurs were more of a big three with Duncan, Parker, Ginobili. And Parker didn't really come into his own in those early years till later on. And when Parker kind of came into his own, Duncan was kind of on the decline. So I kind of just slowly, you know, slightly knocked him down a little bit right there. And then I put um, Isaiah and Dumars at seven. Now, Isaiah, Isaiah see, yeah, see, that's the thing about the duos. Like, some teams have that, that third guy, and you, you have to ask yourself, who's that third guy? For me, that's why I really had Shaq and Kobe higher than Michael Jordan and Pippen. I feel like Jordan and Pippen had a, a better, you know, a better third guy. Um, for Malone Stoddard, they had Hornacek, but he was more of a shooter. Uh, Oster tag, <laughs> <laughs> great shout out, shout out to Greg Oster tag, yeah. and then, and then of course Green you know, Cream Magic they had James Worthy who's yeah that's true yeah so so I mean and then like Genova with that so yeah you can if that that third guy does matter and for Spurs you know they they didn't really have a a, a great third guy you know they had good players in that system with uh, you know what Avery Johnson and them boys back yeah. there Sean Elliott and guys like that. That's 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 kind of how I kind of viewed it too, like that. Cause like like you said, Tony Parker and Tim Duncan, great success, but you can't you can you can't talk about them without talking about Manu. So a little bit there. Yeah, that was my that was my knock on the Duncan Parker duo over you know choosing Malone and starting over them. So just to recap it, Mike and Scotty at one, Magic and Kareem at two, Shaq and Kobe at three, LeBron and Dwayne Wade at four, Malone starting five. Tim Duncan, Tony Parker at six, Isaiah and Dumars at seven, and then I put Duncan and Robinson at eight, Kobe and Powell at nine, and of course, going along with the same theory, I went with with the Spurs, Duncan Parker, Genova. I put Bird and Mikhail at ten. You know, like I said I'm, I'm shacking Kobe first, Michael Jordan's uh, Pippen second, followed by Kareem and Magic. At four, I got the well, I, I put my paper the Admiral and the and the big fundamentals. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you got like five LeBron and Wade. I think they 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 are a top five duo. Malone Stockton on the on the way out, and then I I kind I kind of scrum up a bunch of you know stuff together seven through ten. I mean they really could be uh, interchangeable. Um, yeah, so, seven through ten is really a hot spot. It's just a matter of uh, preference. Who you like now? Now tell me this, because we what we said about I've seen a lot of lists about Durant and Curry being a, a top duo. Now what what are your thoughts about that? Because I, I think we pretty much feel the same way about they. They not only do they have a third guy, or they have a fourth guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm not one of those guys. Like we saw Stephen on first take saying he would put Curry and Durant in the top five as far as duos go, and I don't agree with that. Just because if you're looking at them as a duo, you're looking at them strictly as this individual player does this, this guy does this, so together they are this. And I don't think that's how you should view it because the Warriors, before KD got there, it was the Splash Brothers. It was it was Steph and Clay. Then Draymond emerged, and then you still have Iguodala and Livingston. Then KD comes and joins that. Now it's the super team. And then you 
we haven't saw him play it. You add DeMarcus Cousins, so now it's a, a even more souped up super team. Right. So yeah. I mean, I don't see Durant and Curry ever making this duo list. Will they probably win more chips together this year? Probably they'll probably get a third one. If KD stays, they'll probably at some point get a fourth one. But I'm still not ranking them as a duo. I'll choose the Splash Brothers as a duo before I choose KD and Steph. Yeah, because if you talk about individual and then, then when they get together, you are talking about duos. Then we, you know, we, I can put I can put uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett up there if I want to. Then if that's the case. You know, they they got together and won a ring and got yeah. to another one. So you know, what I'm saying so yeah. So you you really can't be doing you can't really do that because. Uh, it's not it's not really a, a fair and just uh justice about how how they're a duo when he like Durant's added to a a, a great team already. You know, yeah, so. I don't I don't yeah I don't agree with that. Yeah, I got, I, I, I got I got a few quick hits for you too, man. I want to I want to see, see your opinion on these. I wrote these down and I was brainstorming thinking who would I take. So I want to see what you think. CP3 and Blake or Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. I, I think I'll go with Steve Nash and Stoudemire as far as duo, just because you know they had the success and, and I think I think both both were pretty good pretty good in the playoffs and although they never got a finals appearance, they got somewhere the Clippers didn't get. Uh, that's, and that's the worst of conference finals. And I, and I and I think Steve Nash and Stoudemire together were pretty much unstoppable, especially with the um, that D'Antoni system. Uh, so I, I would choose them over Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Yeah I, showed, yeah, I showed the same duo, Nash and Amari. Six seasons together, 332 wins, 160 losses. We know Nash won two MVPs. They were all NBA. And, you know, CB3 and Blake, guys injury-prone and things like that. Yeah. Really, like- really couldn't make it. They, they were always projected to be one of the top teams in the West and always underachieved. So I went the same. I went Nash and Amari too. Right. And like, how many games did they actually – like play together versus how many they missed together <laughs> for Chris Paul and uh, Blake. That's the that that'll be very interesting to find out how many game, how many games they actually missed together. I, I got another one for you: Steph and Clay, or Joe Dumars and Isaiah backcourt versus backcourt. Mm. Uh, let's see. Both see both won titles. I, I I think I think I would have to go Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars because just the fact that they have two titles and. The duo of Clay and Steph really only got one, and then when Kevin Durant came, that's how they got the you know, who I think Kevin Durant's a better player than both of them. Then it's then it's um you know it's really more Durant's you know it's more leaning more Durant side than than that, those two as a duo because it's like it's kind of like if Jordan just go go add to the Bulls and then they win more championships like is I mean is it really is it really Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars anymore at that point you know? Yeah, I went I went the same man because. Dumars, I think, is a better offensive player than Clay, and they're both probably comparable on defense. And Isaiah, even though Steph shoots a three better than anybody we've ever seen, but Isaiah, he's as time has got going on, he's been forgotten about as an elite dominant scorer. And Isaiah could defend, and he was a a pretty good passer too. So I was the same duo. Isaiah Isaiah Thomas changed that franchise. <laughs> he, he really did. <laughs> I got I got one more quick hit for you. Kobe and Powell or Shaq and D Wade. <laughs> uh I think I would choose Kobe and Powell only because always always because like in during their little time together, Shaq was really on the way down. 
like really on the way down. He, he just packed them. As soon as he left Miami, he was done. Um, but on the way, Shaq was on the way down. He he really, he really was battling through a lot of injuries at the time too. And I think way way as great as he was, Mr. Flash himself was still a puppy. Uh, you know, he, he was the third year in the league when they won the championship. And I think I think as soon as Kobe and Paul Gasol got together, I mean, people call people want to call Paul Gasol soft all he want, but that man was a baller. Well, we disagreed on one. I went with Shaq and D Wade because that Shaq was an MVP consideration. He probably should have got it over Steve Nash, and then in the in the, those finals, you know, D Wade erupted. He fully cemented himself as one of the next big superstars. And Kobe was top of the league at the time. Him and Powell together, and Powell was still a elite player too. But I just think with Shaq being a MVP consideration type guy, and then D Wade emerging, being a Finals MVP, things like that. I went with D Wade and Shaq. But then on top of it, you know, Kobe and Powell they went they, they went to three Finals together. You know, Shaq, Shaq and Wade only got one together. And then I feel like that Kobe and Powell Gasol had their they shot at redemption. Oh, against um, Boston too. Yeah, Boston. So I kind of. I kind of like that 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 little storyline of them, you know, them um, them winning. But I mean, but if you're going going to my point about that third player, I guess I can see why Shaq and Wade is probably a better duo because I mean, I really can't, I, I really can't even think of who the, who the third best player, James Posey, uh, a forty year old, <laughs> a forty year old Gary Payton, like you know, what I'm saying like yeah, and, Haslam, and, and, <laughs> Haslam, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if, if, <laughs> so if we're talking about that, then I, I can I can see why you're going there because you know Lakers had Lamar Odom, who at that time was a was a problem. Uh, the first you know point forward I've seen be, be like him. And then when he wasn't injured, they had Andrew Bynum. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Andrew Bynum came a long way too. So that, if you're talking about that way, then I, I can see why Shaq. I can see why Shaq and Wade. But only uh, I just I just went Kobe. So one, I'm a Lakers guy, and two. They they got three out of three to finals appearances, so that's pretty that's pretty uh, a good duo right there. I mean, if we keeping it real, the real duo is Kobe and D Fish. That's five titles <laughs> right there. That's the real hey. duo. Kobe never won without D Fish. Hey, and that's facts. <laughs> that's, that's the real duo. <laughs> that's and that's facts right there. All right, let's um let's move on to the NFL side, man, real quick. Uh, it's you know everybody talk, always talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. We talk about Rams. We talk about um, New Orleans Saints. Always talk about New England Patriots. But these other teams in the playoffs, and honestly, unless like I told you earlier, unless unless this this new coordinator for the Vikings can can make this offense go back to where it was, we I'm I really don't know who can win the Super Bowl, and I really think it's eleven teams who can actually win the Super Bowl. That's in the playoffs currently right now. Um, I'm assuming the Ravens, Ravens and Pittsburgh do, do make the playoffs, um, and if they do, I'm saying it's 11 teams that can win the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I, I kind of want to talk about the guys who, you no know, teams that nobody really talking about. Like that's that's Seattle, um, Houston, Baltimore, Dallas, and Chicago. Um, and I kind of want to go back and forth, you know, try to try to get like a give a case of why, or why these teams can win. Like this is really what the NFL wanted, though they wanted parity, and they kind of got it because this is probably the most wide open season we've seen in I don't know how long. Because the typical old Patriots will be there no matter what. That's not a guarantee because they don't look good. They, yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, like you said, the people who nobody's really considering, they can actually make something happen because the Patriots played the Texans earlier this year. Patriots won the game, but Deshaun Watson, he's more comfortable now. That pass rush of Clowney and Watt and Merciless, those guys guys can get after Tom Brady because it's not like he's throwing the ball spectacular this year. And Sonny Michelle is still working his way back into form. Burkhead is now coming back. And they've kind of that kind of diminishes James White's role. Gronk is no longer Gronk. I hate to say it, but Gronk is no longer Gronk. You still got Edelman. I mean, the Patriots aren't the Patriots this year. So I think if they played again, Houston could beat them. Right. And this um and this time, um, Houston, the factor is they're healthy. That's um, it. Knock on wood, um, and you you got a guy like Honey Badger, who's a you know playmaker, um, like like him. You still got you got one of the best receivers in the game, and the old line hasn't been as bad as I thought they would be this year. I thought that would kind of hold them back, and you know me, my biggest thing about the Texans is really the coach uh, Bill O'Brien. If he can somehow just stay, you know, because I, I feel like when 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 former Bill Belichick guys play him they get scared or something and then and, and then that's, that's why I, that's why i would thought texas would kind of fold hey not not this year man you see what patricia did <laughs> yeah yeah the yeah. lions yeah patricia and um who was with, oh and tennessee um, oh yeah Brable. yeah yeah and then see houston right now they, they're nine and four and they have three games that they should win um i, th- I i'm kind of mad that they dropped one to uh to the coach but um it's better to lose now than in the playoffs. So they have they got at they at New York Jets this weekend, which should be a win. Winnable game. At at Philadelphia, which Carson Wentz might not play no more in the season. They should Winnable win that game. game. And then a home against Jacksonville, uh, which do, doesn't have dumpster a fire. Yeah. So the the <laughs> we talking about a team. We talking about a twelve win team here, and and, nobody, they, and the thing is, they're still in play for the second seed because if the Patriots drop a game and Houston wins out. Houston yeah. to get that second seed, right? And then I, th- I think New England has never went to the Super Bowl as a wild card team. So nope. And, and oh, Bray, Bray is like one and five on the road. On the road, he's terrible on the road. So in the playoffs, so that, that's uh, something New England doesn't want to want to happen. And Houston, there, 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 there really is no excuse for them not to have a twelve win season. And with New England having Pittsburgh this weekend and um, having, I think, I think they got well, they had two division games after that. So if, if if New England drops this one, Houston should be the second seed um, in in the playoffs. And I I'm I don't, I don't I'm not saying they can win the Super Bowl, but when they, that team that team is on fire, you got a lot of stars on that team, and talent going talent's going to win in the NFL, and as usually usually it does. Let's uh, talk about another team. Uh, let's stay in the AFC. Let's talk about Baltimore. Uh, I think the team the six teams in the playoffs in the AFC. Should be this team that that they should be they should be the ones in the playoffs because they're the best six teams. I know Baltimore has the same record as Miami, has the same record as uh, Tennessee and the Colts, um, but I think Baltimore, as they're proven, they they are they can win games. Uh, they played Kansas City this year, we should have won. They played the Saints this year, should have won. Um, they have played a lot of good good teams so far, and they you know they're seven and six, and you can't get mad at them for their schedule. They still have the Chargers coming up, who technically is the second best team in the AFC. So Baltimore, and they also got Tampa Bay and Cleveland. What are your thoughts on them going forward? 
I think Baltimore kind of gets a bad rep because of people think, oh, they can't score any points, and okay, they benched Joe Flacco, they had this rookie in, and then we've seen what their running game has evolved into from Alex Collins to Buck Allen to Gus Edwards to Kenneth Dixon. It's like, yo, who's going to be the running back for this team? And then you had Flacco get injured. Lamar gets in. Lamar gets injured. RG3's in. And Baltimore, if people really look at their games, they play every good team tough. They didn't. The Saints didn't blow them out. Like, if Tucker hits the extra point, it goes into overtime, and who knows how that game turns out. And, I mean, we can look at the other side of the coin, too. The Ravens have some bad losses, like week two against Cincinnati when A.J. Green, you know, went crazy that game. But <laughs> stuff like that, it, it happens, you know. But Baltimore's defense can hold any elite offense under 30. I, I think in a, in a playoff scenario, and – the crazy thing is they're still in play for the division, so they could actually end up getting a division and host a home game. Yeah, no, nobody wants to go to Baltimore. John Terry, that, and then Baltimore's not a team that's – John Harbaugh is a great coach. He's not, he's not scared to, to go on the road and come in your house and beat you. Yeah, he's a, he's a good game planner, and he has a Morgan morning week as the old coordinator. They'll definitely get some play designs together so that Lamar or – if. Um, Flacco had to step back in, or Robert Griffin step back in. They would definitely have the play calls ready for that offense to thrive. All right, so let's go into another team uh, in the NFC. These two teams, both on prime time stages, shut down two high powered offenses. And that's Dallas and Chicago. And I know a lot of people don't think you know you know the, the quarterbacks could hold them back, uh, Dak and uh, Mr. Trubisky, which they could, but. These defenses, they're going to keep them in the game. And as you've seen Sunday against the Eagles for the Cowboys, that can make that one throw and Cooper can take off and be gone. Or uh, Nagy can drop some kind of special, specialized play, three Cohen gone for 40 yards. Like they, they all have big playability on their offensive side of the ball. And their defense, Bears gobble up. Uh, Jared Goff made him look like he was playing with Jeff Fisher as his head coach. Um, <laughs> and then and you see the Saints, they only scored a touchdown because Randy Gregory got a penalty that, that they extended the drive. Like they couldn't do it, they couldn't do anything either. And I think both of these teams have the 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 deep the super the Super Bowl defense to win the win it all. And as you see with Baltimore, as you see with Dallas, you see with Chicago, you see with Houston, like they might not have the they might not have that star quarterback. But that, but their defense can hold them in games, and anything can happen after that. Yeah, I think the Cowboys. I would favor the Cowboys just a slight little bit over the Bears, and the reason being because the Cowboys' elite defense, and they have a way they they can win. We can hold the ball most of the clock, run the ball, hit a play clock, run the ball when we have to. Let's hit Amari Cooper. Let's run a trick play, get you know, RPO, let that run for four or five yards, get the first down, just keep extending the drive. Like the Cowboys, they won't win a shootout against you. Well, they haven't done it this year with a shootout. I won't say they can't do it because we saw Dak's rookie year. They they took Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay down to the very last minute, and the Rodgers didn't make one heck of a throw. The Cowboys probably win that game. So I think the Cowboys, I would favor them just a slight little bit over the Bears. 
Um, the Bears, Mitch kind of comes and goes. Um, you know what you're going to get from Jordan Howard from game to game. And on a receiver side, Matt Nagy, he knows how to get those guys open, but in the last few weeks, they haven't really done much. Like, Robinson hasn't done much. Gabriel has kind of almost disappeared. Um, but Tariq Cohen, he, he's been a, a stable guy for him to rely on. And, I mean, Trey Burton, he's kind of disappeared too. Well, I can tell you why he disappeared. It's because Matt Nagy be drawing up plays and putting D line in the O line. Yeah, putting the O line on the field. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, Nagy, come on, man, come on. you you killing hey. people's fantasy teams too, man. Hey, Matt Nagy, man, he he drives me insane because he like the, the two weeks ago he he put Keem Nix in the uh, as as a running back. He scores. Then last week he put him back there. <laughs> this time, do a play action and throw it to an old lineman. Come on, man. They, they, uh, I don't know if you know, if you noticed in the, in the in the play. He had a he had another D lineman on the backs out in the end zone. Like, he come did, on, bro. Yeah. Not even a receiver. Did nobody? It's nothing but nothing but D lineman, O lineman on that field, and, and Mitch Trubisky. Like, and I, and I think the crazy <laughs> part is because like the defense that that confuses the defense real bad because you got to think about okay, like you got to spot out real fast who's eligible as a receiver and who's not. So while you're trying to figure all that out, so you you thinking oh well it's it's eleven ten big guys in the game and a and a quarterback they're clearly for the running ball. So right. now you think you're thinking run first. And you're not thinking who's a receiver on this play. So now when they hit the run pass option on you, this this big D lineman is in the back of the end zone waiting with his hands wide open for a catch. Right. And then see now I think these two teams, if they get the same matchup again, I'm I'm honestly leaning toward them again. Like I, I if Chicago gets the Rams and the Dallas gets New Orleans and they have to go on the road, I still think you know, defense travels in the playoffs. And that's the thing about it. So and then and like you said, they're running both both teams want to run the ball, and both teams can do that. And their quarterbacks are both mobile. So they can keep a Drew Brees or a Jared Goff off the field. And even when they get on the field, they can stop them. Uh, now, I will be kind of skeptical if the matchup switched because you know it's you know, you can see a lot of film and stuff stuff that you you know don't know will will work or not because you haven't you haven't played them again. Played them yet, not or not um so I think if Dallas or Chicago gets them again, they can actually do. I think they can re- repeat the performance. Uh, and if we get a Dallas to Chicago uh, in the championship game, it's gonna be three to zero. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think the Saints if they play Dallas again, those guys are clever enough play callers. They could probably squeak out a win against the Cowboys because so they Drew Brees didn't really make any plays. I think you know if they have a chance to watch their film again. And see what some of the Cowboys' tendencies are. I think the Saints could probably pull off a win. It'll still be a low-scoring game, like a twenty to seventeen game, twenty-one seventeen, something like that. But I still think the Saints could pull off a win over the Cowboys if they played again, whether that's in New Orleans or Dallas. All right, we have we have a few minutes here. Uh, let's talk about Seattle real quick. And we are we are know about Seattle. They they've been here before. They've done this before. Should have had two Super Bowl rings. Now my thing about Seattle is. They really can beat you any kind of way, as you've seen Monday Night Football. They did nothing, um, but their defense is good enough to make the other teams do nothing as well. Uh, they they shut my Vikings out for the, the whole game, and all it took was Russ one play, and that was him going forty yards down the sideline, which pretty much sealed, you know sealed the deal. And he, you know, he didn't do anything that whole game. Um, and it, and but they they stuck to their identity by running the ball the whole time. And if you can't if you can't stop them from running the ball, and they got three good running backs, and their quarterback can take off and run. If you, if if you don't have the defense to you know combat that, 
and the playmakers on the secondary to stop, you know, the deep shots of Tyler Lockett and David Moore and Doug Baldwin, you know, Seattle could come in, come into your house and beat you. Yeah, I think Seattle can – they can almost win anywhere. They, they they just have the team built for it. They can run the ball, run the clock. They got the defense that can stop you. They got the quarterback. Well, if he got to throw it 40 times and beat you, he can do that. If he got to run the ball and beat you, he can do that. So I think Seattle, they're – they have offense and defense that could travel, and they have elite coaching. So I oh. think they could probably make a, a NFC run. If anybody from the wild card can make it, they can make it. Yeah, see, see how this, this schedule. You know, I'm very interested to see this week 16 matchup against Kansas City. Um, so I am, I am rooting for all scenarios that Kansas City doesn't clinch this weekend. Which, uh, if New England loses to Pittsburgh and Kansas City beats uh, the Chargers uh, on Thursday Night Football. They can't see it has in the one seat, and I don't want them to rest any players, especially week 16. I want to see Seattle, Kansas City. I, I want to see low key a potential Super Bowl matchup. You know, it's possible because yeah, I think 11 teams can make the Super Bowl, so this could be a good Super Bowl matchup right here that we that I would be robbed of if you know Kansas City and Reed, who is known to rest people, um, will, will rest his starters. But who knows? Yeah, especially when you got Tyreek Hill and his foot's banged up, and uh, Spencer Ware's banged up, so you know. Right, and it should should and probably would rest those guys. He, yeah, those guys. Yeah, as long as he, he as long as he rolled out my home with the killer because I got on my fancy team. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> as a QB, you, you need all I the need points it. you can get. I need it. I need it. I need it. All right, and that's our time for the day. Preach, Kev. Preach. Thank you to my guest, Rashad. Man, I uh, really appreciate you joining us today. Yes, sir. We out. <laughs>